welcome you sexy goddess to the sweetest little life. I am your host, Courtney Hansen. I'm an author, yogi, Reiki master, and hypnotherapist specializing in trauma. My passion is to bring you wisdom each week with amazing guests to spark integration of all parts of yourself, to nurture your spirit, stimulate the mind, and love your body just a little bit more with each episode that drops. If you love this podcast and want more amazing resources for spiritual growth and holistic healing, make sure to download our app, The Sweetest Little Life, or head to the website, thesweetestlittlelife.com. Grab your favorite cup of tea or throw on your yoga pants and head for a walk while we hang out for the next 30 minutes of Soul to Soul Connection. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful for being here. I'm well. How are you? I am so good. I'm super excited for today's conversation. And I always cue off the show and I just have you do a as you feel called to share, but I really like to hear people's stories on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. What a, what a journey it's been. I've resisted so for so long. Um, just talking about narcissism, um, you know, my, my wounds from the past. I think we all have childhood wounds. We all have, um, things, mistakes we've made that we're embarrassed about, you know, in our teens and our twenties. And I think that's just part of life. Um, and for me, I was raised in a very strict religious, uh, household, uh, Christian evangelical, and it was really difficult um, I guess just a lot of pressure. Like I always felt pressure to be perfect. My sister actually, you know, went to a public school. I went to a private school all the way through. doesn't matter. I, I love public school, by the way. But because I felt like as a child, because she went there, she had this huge uh, falling short from the church. And she was like pretty much excommunicated from the family and was, you know, an embarrassment because she did a normal teenage thing. She, you know, had a boyfriend, they had sex, then she got pregnant, like all the things that can happen. And, you know, if you don't talk about it and address those things, you know, then you can't really prevent it. And so in my household, it was like, don't talk about it, you know, like safe sex is abstinence. So that put a lot of pressure on me to be perfect. I really avoided like having normal relationships with uh, or romantic relationships with boys because I just didn't want to mess up. And, you know, I had one boyfriend when I was a freshman and I felt like he was like too much responsibility. Like he wasn't, he was kind of boring. And so I broke up with him and, you know, all the way hindsight 2020, he was like the best that could have ever happened for me. But, you know, I was so used to being controlled. I was used to this push and pull kind of conditional love as I was growing up. So I kind of didn't, it didn't register to me as real healthy love. And so when I met my first love, um, when I was in, again, high school, but I was heavily involved in the worship teams. We met at church. This is where the narcissist hide is in really good, you know, community places. Um, and at first we had a lot of fun. We were just friends. And then as my attention shifted towards my full-time job um, and I couldn't party as much or I passed out more because I was just too tired and I couldn't go all the way <laughs> to like 3 or 4 a.m., you know, normal body constrictions. You know, he was upset at me. He threw huge temper tantrums. And, you know, at some points he would lock me out, but there was always blame and shame and 
always my fault. And if you just do this, you'll be, you know, it'll be fixed and I won't be mad at you anymore. And no matter what I did, it never got fixed because it was his, his perception and his problem to fix. So it went on for 10 years, and that's kind of my story of where I started. It went on for 10 years. I finally found the strength to leave after seven attempts. And, yeah, it's just been this huge healing journey afterwards of, like, the aftermath and realizing that, you know, I I was so confused. Like, how did that happen? And then realizing years later, well, it was because I had no self-autonomy, because I was so controlled in this Christian religion that didn't allow me to explore and be myself. And so I was used to that kind of, you know, guilt and shame treatment to be right. good, be kind, you know, be the good girl. Yeah. So, so many different downloads have flooded in as I've left the church and really explored my own spirituality through different means. And I mean, it's just been so fulfilling to be able to feel free and feel more connected to the divine than ever without that, you know, construct of religion and all the antiquated rules and the guilt and the shame. Absolutely. How old were you when you left the church? Um, I left, I was 18. Yeah. First year of college, I started to realize, you know, question things. But I, honestly, it wasn't of my own accord. It was my ex-narcissist who was starting to question what he was raised on in the church. And I think he always had the question, but he felt like more free to do so. And mm-hmm. maybe since we were together, he felt like he had a companion to leave with and like, then he could just rely on me and control me <laughs> and I could rely on him. And he turned, he became my savior versus the savior that was in the church. So it started with that. And when I left 10 years later, I tried to go back because I thought, well, he's the reason why I left. So maybe so bad. And I tried to go back when I had my first boy, you know, daughter as an infant, heavily involved with mops. And I worked as an employee at the church. And then the, you know, illness and the drama and the mental unrest happened there. There was a, a circumstance where I was like, oh, okay, well, everyone here is also unhealthy. So maybe this isn't the place for me to heal and grow. So then I left again. <laughs> You're like, okay, third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah, no, not going back a third time. <laughs> Happy to not go back. <laughs> so dealing with a narcissist I know is a challenge within itself. I was actually raised by one. So I'm very familiar mm-hmm. with it. Um, and it's funny because empath is such a trendy word right now. And people are like, oh, empath's a gift. Empath's a gift. And da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, empath is actually a trauma response to having energetically before you walk in for a safety measure to know what yeah. you're going into. Now, for you, what did that look like with your ex? When did you really realize like, oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, again, there were multiple times. Like I said, I tried to move out seven different times. I would move out to a friend's house who was trying to help me get out. I would move out to a family member's. But then sometimes those family members were controlling. And I was like, going back to the other place, at least I'm comfortable in my own house being controlled. And um, but every time it was always this like, I give up, like I cannot person at all. Like they just keep persistently, you know, hammering in to me that I'm not good enough. And I keep getting punished for 
things that I just can't control. And I would get so fed up, um, pack up, you know, a, a duffel bag and he'd be like, she'll be back. And I always came back, yeah. never chased after me. He never pleaded with me to not leave. He never wanted to resolve it. He always um, held very firm to his beliefs and he never apologized, never took responsibility. I personally like reverse hoovered myself back in all those times. And then finally, I just, you know, I, I convinced him to marry me, which he was totally anti anything like normal, like anti marriage. You know, at first he was against us living together and then he realized, oh, well, she could pay half my rent. So for sure, come on over. Oh and, my gosh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I, I wanted kids. So I went on this trip. I just had this urge. I was like 27. I just kept having these, this, this feeling, this pull, like I really need some fulfillment. And I, I thought it was through kids, but I was like, no, that's dumb. Like I shouldn't fulfill myself through kids. So I kept pushing it off and listening to him. And I went on this trip up, um, to Washington. I was isolated from my family. So this was like a totally divine serendipitous thing. My aunt invited me. I had the money to go. So I went. And she, my cousins have like loads of kids. So I was surrounded by all these beautiful like babies and kids and toddlers. And I really enjoyed myself and everyone was happy and healthy. And we were just laughing. The emotions were light and airy. Everything was really smooth. And I came back and I just shared with him like how much fun I had. And it was such a pleasure to be with them. And he immediately went in on it. Like he went in to cut it down, not even like, oh, that's great. However, he was like, nope, they are readers. They are horrible people. Like no one should ever have that many kids and on and on and on. And I sat there and I realized he is never going to understand me. He's never going to hear me or listen to me ever. Like I've tried for 10 years now and I keep believing him and this last time I was just like no what I don't like I'm done and of course it was difficult it wasn't like oh I found my strength and I'm ready to go you know I was sobbing in the bathroom we were out in a public restaurant and I was just sobbing realizing that this was it like that we need to go to therapy like he is so healthy and he's never gonna listen to me so that was kind of the, the starting point of yeah. really gaining that strength and seeing that I was not, we were not in a healthy relationship. Right. So when you actually realized, you know, I, and I, I asked these questions just because I know there's a lot of people who are in toxic relationships or in a relationship with a narcissist and they have no idea what that even looks like. And so what are some signs that you first noticed that you were like, okay, this is, this is not okay. This is never going to change. There's nothing I can do to change this person because as women, I think we naturally want to, we want to fix people, right? We want to help. Yeah. Like yeah. we want to nurture. The last thing you can do is fix yes. somebody else. <laughs> Even yes. if they're healthy and they need some, you know, some therapy or they're not, you know, NPD at all, you can't fix them. It's gotta be their choice. I just Absolutely. have to acknowledge that, um, uh, the wait, I, I lost my train of thought when I said that because oh, I wanted to acknowledge what you just said about um, oh, not knowing that you're in a narcissistic abusive relationship. Now, with all of the information out now, you probably you know have been watching videos, listening to podcasts, and going, oh, yeah, maybe 
And sometimes a lot right now too, everyone's overly labeling people as narcissistic when they made you just be super self-centered and they're not on the NPD spectrum. So, you know, there's that too. But when I was in it, I didn't even know what narcissist was. I did not know that I was being emotionally abused or sexually abused. I had no idea. My was even introduced months later. And I was like, what? What is that? Oh, you know, it's like, it's just part of who you are. And you don't realize that you are so enmeshed and connected to your identity being wrapped up in how they perceive you. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest kind of lesson out of all of this was everything about, you know, my childhood and my wounds and how I do was to get praise and love and attention from everyone outside of myself. Versus mm-hmm. banks on that because that's how they can control you. If you don't care and you're like, I love myself, I do me, you know, go F off. Like, then they're like, oh, well, that person's not vulnerable. So I'm not going to go abuse them. So exactly, it's, it's important to see the signs that for me, it really was the lack of understanding and empathy. And he would just lecture me on and on when I was just sharing a feeling, right? Like you share a feeling like, oh, I really had a wonderful time today. Like a healthy relationship would acknowledge that. Yeah. And it would just kind of end there. Like, yep, it was really nice. And they would collaborate with you on how nice it was, or I guess they could agree, uh, disagree, but if they disagree, they didn't, it. they'd be like, yeah, it was all right. You know, versus a narcissist is going to just go in and convince you of how it wasn't a nice day or how it wasn't something. So they're constantly invalidating your feelings and proving their point to you and, and trying to control you. So that's definitely a sign that any you're expressing emotions and they're not validated and inside your body you start to recoil and like regret that you shared that that's the huge red flag that you're dealing with someone on the narcissistic spectrum i love that you say recoil because that is a perfect way to describe you're like revert revert take it all back <laughs> once you yeah. start reading what the response is gonna be <laughs> yeah. so, so you are really dealing with two layers and i i'm very much empathize with your story because um, I too was raised very, very evangelical. Like we'd go to, you know, missionary things and hand out things. And I had to wear dresses down to my ankles for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I totally rebelled in high school. And, mm-hmm. But it was always that. Even when I was going for my Reiki master, that was something, there was a reincarnation class. Like so not okay inside doing the class because I was like, oh my God, everything in my body is like so tight right now and I can't even hear this or like acknowledge this. And then when they, the things that they were teaching started to click and make sense, I was like, oh, oh brain, like what, what, what's going on here? And I had <laughs> to grant myself the biggest permission slip. Why? to do that, I, I was able to really understand where my belief system was so ingrained into me and where that trauma, um, the fire and brimstone, you know, being raised in that and also mm-hmm. having it used as a fear tactic of control. Yeah. And I understood that. And I cared with something else. I, I was able to understand myself on a way that I could take my power back. Like, you know, I say jump, you say how high, 
and having to flow through that. And I, I hear, I feel so many people who have been through this level of religious trauma and coming out of it is such a process. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's almost like the great awakening lately. It's like all of us millennials are realizing like, wow, all the boomers were really sucked in all this Mm-hmm. Christian cults and, and the majority of it is Christian if you're in the United States because that's kind of like we're we're still dealing with that I just heard on the news about some bill being passed that if um, someone pays a sponsor like a sign to be put up in public schools like in God we trust it's like because that's what on it's like well there are lots of other men actually most of them were stoics who founded the nation, but sure, go ahead, again, be narcissist and take over the control of the narrative of our country. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really just, yeah, traumatizing. And I really do see that uh, them as a cult because mm-hmm. there's no, because of the guilt and shame and it's all very narcissistically, you know, manipulated. And then you've got, you know, the Catholic church, you know, with all the there, it's like, it, it's so obvious on the outside how, and abusive it is but there's they're harming manipulative and control and they do yeah it's that whole fear tactic that i think it's not working on all of us who are awakening we're like ah whatever it's exactly that <laughs> did you what was it called it was about king henry and all of his wives and in the religion and it you know i very rarely got sucked into the series and it was so interesting um based on Catholicism and you know he would change the laws of religion according to who he wanted to sleep with and so like he wanted to be able to like have divorce be legal and he didn't want to be married to this girl anymore and so he would just change the entire religion a little bit like just tweak it you know and then um, when something would happen or like if a wife would cheat on him, he would change it again to where, you know, she, she, it was legal to hang her. And I was just watching this like, oh, my God, it was all fat. It was all based on like, you know, history. And I was just blown yeah. away. And it, it really does. Like we are, so, you know, unless you go back in time and see the patterns of what has happened. But I was like, my gosh, when you look at narcissism, real narcissism, not the trendy, like. I feel like TikTok has kind of taken that over and used the word as like a very trendy word. And it is a really serious, serious thing yeah. and a real thing. Um, and for people, yeah. yes. And for people who have been through it, I mean, it's, it's not someone who's self-centered. It's, it's very, very deeper and much more evil. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. Ken, King Henry is a perfect example just of that um, malignant. But when narcissist. I think of that, yeah, that's it. I'm like, that's him. <laughs> That's a perfect you know, and, and every single movie now that I watch, no matter what it is, the bad guy is always a narcissist because they have to be every like time. horribly, evilly bad. And I'm like always, especially the cartoons I point out to my kids. You know, I have an eight and seven year old. I'm like, there, there you go. See that? That's a red flag already at the beginning of the movie, the foreshadowing. I'm like, that's a narcissist. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that you teach your kids that. Yeah, unfortunately, my little one in first grade dealt with a, you, the general public calls him a bully, but my gosh, she is a narcissist in formation. I can see it. She's so manipulative. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I have for children and emotional intelligence and the science about, about them. That's, my whole mission is to 
trying to end this generational like fog of not recognizing narcissists. Yeah. So for the audience, I love to always give three things that they can really kind of put in their tool belt and start implementing within their lives daily. And so if let, let's do it two ways, because I, I feel like it's if someone is battling with being a narcissist, what they can do to start recognizing and changing, and then I'll go with parts. Ooh, I love that. Because honestly, in my, you know, recovery and meeting up with my current husband, he was such a great accountability person because you know my my parents were covert narcissists so what whatever you are raised with you pick up on so I I had that subconscious talent of using guilt you know to get my way and be like ooh, that's I don't like that I'm not receiving that guilt here like and I'd be like at first I would resist and I would fight him on it (laughs) and he'd be like nope (laughs) draw the line draw the boundary no so yeah you just what you need to do, what I did was to drop my ego, right? Because the ego kind of controls all of these subconscious like autopilots. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to rewrite those mirror neurons, you need to start by recognizing some of those things you're doing. Maybe, you know, manipulative because you want to get your way, you know, and that's something that children do. It's natural. But as we become adults, we need to grow out of that and kind of have freedom and independence within ourselves to feel confident like okay if that doesn't go my way I'm fine right I'll survive I you know I don't really need it and so here's something to look at right if you're kind of in this lack mindset and there's you know don't have a gratitude journaling or gratitude just reciting practice you will always kind of wrap into your ego and make sure things go your way in gratitude, everything already is going your way, so you don't need to. So I would say number one is gratitude. Mm-hmm. Is dropping the ego of really, like, evaluating, is this for the higher good of everyone, or is this just something selfish that I want for my, you know, and really getting that um, in check, because then yeah. you'll be able to receive, you know, coaching. You'll be able to receive something from your therapist or your partner, or a friend, or whoever's holding you accountable. And then you, once your ego is, is kind of dropped, you don't have to kill it, because it's definitely part of you that's good, but you need to balance it. So dropping the defense mechanisms, uh, that fixed mindset, you know, shift into curiosity and the growth mindset, so that you can see patterns and then rewrite them. Oh, I like that. Your Right. Yeah. And it goes back to, right, the subconscious from picking up from your parents through these mirror neurons in your brain. It's natural. This is how we learn how to hold a spoon and a pencil and how to talk and how to carry our bodies. But some of them can be toxic, right? So recognizing which ones you want to stop. And then you say, oh, I don't like that about myself. Okay, let's rewrite it. And you kind of like write it down, shift the narrative, and then you know, read it over and over, start to practice that. Okay, when this happens, I'm going to just breathe and I'm not going to react. Or when this happens, you know, I'm not going to yell. I'm going to do go and do some EFT tapping to make sure I don't yell, like different things like that, you know. So mm. it's important to recognize those habits 
that can be prone towards the narcissistic spectrum. I mean, if you are clinically NPD and you really struggle with it, then you need to go to therapy for sure. That's really the only way to kind of allow yourself to be conscious of it and have the therapist help you with certain exercises and patterns. But again, it is even with that, it's dropping the ego of recognizing, hey, I don't want to hurt my loved ones. So how can I fix this? Absolutely. And I think too, on the um, coming from the flip side with people for tools, I love that you brought up EFT because I think that can go for both ends, whether you are the abuser or being abused, because EFT tapping is such a beautiful way to quickly balance that central nervous system and just come back into the body and come down a little bit from wherever you're at, whether it's a super low fear-based vibration or whether you're at a super, you know, low anger based, right? And so for mm-hmm. both sides, I think that's such a good way to, and you can do it with no, I mean, it's so simple to do. Yeah, it is. I have it in my book. I have it on my um, YouTube channel. And I plan on um, having it on my app. It's just like such a great thing to just quickly reference. And then once you practice it for like a couple of weeks with someone, a guide, even maybe even a week, then you can do it on your own. You're like, yeah, I got this. I can go through all of the pressure points and just calm yourself right down. Absolutely. Now on the flip side, for someone who is right now in it, listening and hurting, what are some ways that they can start to find some relief if right now they can't leave the relationship? Yeah. Um, spending quiet time in, in nature, even just walking out in your neighborhood is the first step, you know, is grounding yourself because when you're with the narcissist, they have your head and your mind all up in the air, twisted backwards, you know, attacking your own self, attacking the friends, trying to help you get out. And you're so confused. You literally feel like I know from my personal experience, I felt like I was taking crazy pills that were invisible. And I don't know when I took them, but I was like, what is going on? Like the world was just upside down all the time. Mm -hmm. So grounding yourself out in nature, I think is key. Um, I love to find like a really wise tree or walk through the grass barefoot and just like stop thinking, stop putting all those thoughts of or going through the thoughts of what just happened and what they just said in your head and just pause and ask the tree like what should I do what you know what is the real true answer of what's going on here and when you stop and listen to them eventually you know it, it, it's a great practice it could be the tree talking to you it could be just your own intuition right it's just this practice of pausing and listening to your own intuition is huge because oh, they bank yeah. on us not doing Because once you start to listen to your body and your intuition, boom, they have no more power over you. The only thing that they have power over is your thoughts. You stop, mm-hmm. you know, playing everything over and over in your head, up in your head, and you center down into your heart, into your lungs and your body that's where you gain your power. And that's where you start to get the clarity that um, I think I need to create a plan to leave this person because they don't have my best interest in mind. Yeah. Because I feel like when we can't get down that inner voice, and you're 
in the mud, right? Like the walls are closing in all around you yeah. and it's hard. And it's, it's so, it can be so hard to make happen. Like it's something like, oh, it's that little moment of that little five, four, so hand paralyzed because the walls are closing mm-hmm. in, you know, to literally rocket launch yourself up and just do it. Go. Yeah. And you don't actually like literally go out of tree and sit there rather than, you know, curling up on the floor in your house where all of that toxic energy is just hovering over you. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So I know we could talk about this forever and ever. Um, so many layers, right, of this in general. But if someone is reaching out to you directly or finding more about how they can get help, um, what is the reach that and what right now are you working on? Yeah. Uh, gosh, the best. Whatever you prefer, you can always go to my website, ravenscott.show, and you can listen to the podcast and just start listening to other specific narcissist episodes. I do them Tuesday, and I have interviews every Thursday. Um, you can always DM me on Instagram at ravenscottshow. I'm always listen and just encourage you and kind of mentor you on that you know you are worthy you are not going insane that it's just all of them projecting it on you and you know you got this so that's something that I really love to do um and I'm working on an app like I said I I might I have my book if you even want more resources actually that'd probably be another uh deeper dive my book is called empath and the narcissist how to ever overcome PTSD, codependency, and narcissistic abuse. And um, in the, at the end of every chapter, I have some type of exercise, like Ho'oponopono prayer. I have guided meditations in the book. Uh, the EFT tapping is also included to help you heal and to help you have the resources and tools to be able to combat this, you know, illness and not so much like upfront. I don't recommend arguing with them, but the combating is like just developing your own self-worth and the confidence you have to say, I don't put up with this anymore. So that just also launched or went went live on Audible a couple days ago. So I'm super excited that that's up to listen to as well. Ah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and really being an open book and giving the audience so much much empowerment. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. I truly am so sorry that you had to have the experience of narcissistic parents, um, or at least one. It's, it, I think that's the most painful because the romantic partner, you're like, okay, they were a jerk. Move on. But when it's from your family of origin, I can 100% empathize. It's it's true, difficult, but it's a huge soul like evolution, a soul soul like almost um, an up level, like you're upgrading <laughs> in this. That is now learning. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than you know being able to heal and walk through that and coming out on the other side with 
with getting it, with understanding the why behind it, you know, on a soul level. And mm-hmm. I think we really do have to come to that soul level of why did I agree to this? <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> right. I take it back. <laughs> I know. I know. I've experienced that. I was very narcissistic in a few lifetimes ago, I guess. So this is, I'm on the other end of the receiving end. So I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, we're moving on now next lifetime. We're past this. We're past this. Thank you so much for listening to The Sweetest Little Life today. I hope you walk away feeling inspired, feeling a little bit more lighter, a little bit more free than what you were before you hit that play button. As always, please, sharing is caring. We love to hear your thoughts. We love to get feedback, um, guest recommendations, all the things. And if you're not subscribed, Hit that little subscribe button before you leave today. And until next time, we will be hanging out soon.